Hey fellow nerds, I'm Megan Smiley and this is the Lawyer's Escape Pod. For those of you who've gotten into practice, looked around and thought, so this is my life? I get it. You're in deep and you feel stuck. You may have no idea what the next step would be, or maybe you have an idea, but think it's unrealistic. I truly believe that there's a path forward for each of us if we're intentional about finding it. And this podcast will be a great source of advice and inspiration for you to make that leap to a more fulfilling career. Hey guys. So my guest today is Ro Thomas. She is a trademark lawyer at Kilpatrick Townsend Stockton in Atlanta. And she is a financial coach for lawyers and a mom of two young boys. Ro tells us how she has a vision for her life, and it includes working as a lawyer, pursuing her side business, and being a present mom. And she fully believes that that is all compatible. Um, But part of that journey for her has been, in order to do all of those things, creating more financial freedom. Uh, And that is tackling a substantial debt that she and her husband have accrued from uh, law school and med school. So obviously, (laughs) I think we could all identify with that. Um, It is also, you know, in addition to sort of tackling the financial side, it's been um, really communicating at her firm what her boundaries are and setting those very clearly so that she sort of protects her space uh, for the other things that are priorities to her. So I think Rose's story is just such a great example of what it looks like to be purposeful about designing the life you want and really committed to taking the steps that will get you there. So there's a lot of value in there for everyone, no doubt. Um, Before we jump into the full episode, I also just wanted to let you know, I've mentioned here a few times that I'm putting together a small group program. It's starting to take shape. I'm getting really excited. I've talked to some people, gotten feedback, and um, it's looking like it will probably be about an eight-week program starting late May, um, early June, and we will sort of build on some of the topics I talk about in illegal design to really give you some structure and some support. And I'm really, really excited about the group nature of this. I have found in my own experience with group programs, it's such an added value because it just adds this layer of community and support and creativity and brainstorming that is just really, really valuable. So I'm excited. Um, I will be sending out more more information as it gets nailed down. But if you are interested in being on the wait list, uh, shoot me a message. All right, to the to the episode. Hi, Ro. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm so happy to have you here. So I like to start with everybody and just ask sort of how did you get to law school in the first place? So I wanted to be a lawyer since I was seven. I used to watch all of the like legal shows and stuff online or online. I used to watch all the legal shows like uh, Matlock and Law and Order and all of that. And law looked really fun. And of course, at seven, I didn't know that that's not what being a lawyer is really <laughs> right, like. Exactly. So that was my. I think people idea. a lot older than that don't know that that's what. Right. 
<laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right there. But like, I, I didn't really know what being a lawyer meant, right? But like, yeah. I'm very type A, as most people who want to be lawyers are. And so that was my plan at seven and seven all the way through like college wow. and all of that. That yeah. was my goal. And so I got into law school, like I was straight through kindergarten to law school. Wow. And once I got into law school, that's where like the whole world opened up where it's like, oh, it's not just this stuff that I see on TV. Actually, it's a lot of it is not the stuff that right, I see on right, TV. Right. And so I got into what I do now. I, I work in trademark law and it all started when I joined like the ABA as a student member and I was mm -hmm. able to join however many sections for free. And so I would get their emails and like magazines and all of that. And the one for IP was really interesting. So here oh, I wow. am. Yeah. So that's, was it like, were you worried when you got to law school that you're like, oh no, like, have I made a mistake? Or were you just like, oh, this is interesting. I just, now there are more options and I, this one looks interesting. Like, were yeah. you excited about it? I was excited about it because yeah. I was like expanding my view of what being yeah. a lawyer was. So it wasn't, oh no, I've made a mistake. Like, I think I was still kind of, especially first year because, you know, first year is so like litigation heavy. Yeah. So it was yeah. like, oh yeah, like, of course I'm learning like all of the procedure for how to be in court. Cause that's what you do as a lawyer. Right. Right. And right. It was yeah. like getting into it. And especially like in the summers, going to law firms and talking to actual lawyers where it was like, oh, so you don't go to court every day. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So did you get, you just got into the trademark practice right out of law school? Yeah. Yeah. So it started um, in the summer, like my very first year, I had the opportunity to do a couple of trademark projects. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I really liked reading about this stuff and I like it in practice. So this is cool. And then the second summer, I went back to that firm first summer and then split with the firm that I'm at now. Mm -hmm. And at the firm I was, I'm at now, I had the opportunity to like be in the trademark group where it wasn't just like, oh, a couple of like one-off projects. It was like right. three and a half weeks of like trademark work. And I was like, oh yeah, this is it. Like, this yeah. is what I want to do. Yeah. So how long have you been at your current firm then? I've been there. Like I had to look at the date. I'm like I've been there <laughs> uh, six and a half years, coming yeah. up on seven years in the fall. Yeah. And so what has your experience been of sort of full-time practice in, in trademark in those six years, six yeah. and a half years? So it's been pretty good overall, but I will say, so I'm not full-time currently. In the pandemic, I have dropped mm -hmm. down to about 50% because one thing that I didn't mention, I we talked earlier, but yeah. I've got two little ones and they were three and one when the pandemic started. And my husband is working outside of the home. And so for a while, I was trying to balance all the things and it wasn't working. Yeah. And so my, my, my brother has two kids just the, those ages now. So I, 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 I don't yeah. actually feel you, but I'm, I'm watching somebody else feel you. Right. You're like, I, I see it. It's kind of yeah. in my, in my atmosphere. It looks yeah. like a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was definitely rough. And I mean, it's still challenging at times for yeah. sure. But that's you know, interesting though. So they, they were open to you adjusting your schedule yeah. that way. Yeah. The firm has this reduced hours policy where, you know, you can do X percentage of the hours requirement for X percentage of the salary. And so I was already taking advantage of it a little bit, 
And I won't get too deep into this, but like after having my second kid and going back to work, it was like, I felt like I was failing in all areas. Like, what is this? And so I dropped down to about 90% to kind of take the edge off and allow me to, you know, just feel like I could be more on top of things. And that was working out well until this whole pandemic hit. Yeah, (laughs) And so I dropped down even further and it had always been in the plan. I won't say always, but at least within the last like four years or so, it had been in the plan for me to continue to step down to, you know, be at a more reduced hours, you know, rate. Um, But like the pandemic just kind of like hastened that because it wasn't, wasn't working. Was it your plan to do that sort of in the short term as your kids are young was, or was that part of a, like a larger plan to step down? And we can, can also get into the, into a little bit that, that you have, um, you have something else that you're spending your time on too, yeah. right? You can tell us about. <laughs> yeah. So it all started, we can get into that if you don't mind, I'll yeah. go ahead and, and yeah, jump yeah, into yeah. it. Um, so it all started, like I said, about four years ago, I had my very first son. So he was three when the pandemic started. We've been here a whole year. So I he's know. four now. Um, but my husband and I had our first kid and we were you know, thinking about the lives that we had been living. You know, I'm in big law. I was billing like, I think our hours requirement was 1900 at the time. I was billing like 2000, 2100 easy, right? right and right. it was just my husband and me. Nobody's like depending on me. And so it was nothing like, oh yeah, cool. Um, had my first kid and I was like, do I want to keep doing that? Like, I don't think I do actually. Yeah, yeah. And I realized that my practice, the way that I had been going was not really conducive to being the kind of mom that I had always envisioned being. And so- you know, we started talking about like what this might look like. My husband is a doctor. He was a resident at the time. Oh, wow. And so yeah. that was, I mean, lots of nights where it was just me and this newborn. So let me tell you, that wasn't funny. <laughs> um, but, you know, we were just thinking about these lives that we want to live and how we want it to be more present for our kids. And so it was like, okay, well, what does that look like? And I was thinking maybe I would, you know, cut back or reduce my hours at that point. But when we looked at our finances, we were over $670,000 in debt with a negative $342,000 net worth. So the whole cutting the salary yeah. thing wasn't really going to yeah. work out, right? So wow. we you know, continued where we were. I felt like I kind of got back into my groove a bit. And like I said, I, I hit a bump in the road after having my second kid and feeling like I was just failing all over the place. And so yeah. reconfiguring there. But we you know, set into this plan of paying it off with the goal of freeing ourselves from as much of the work so that we could be more present for our kids, especially as they got older and are in different activities and that kind of thing. Like, I don't want to be going to my kids' games and in the back of my mind thinking like, oh, I got to go home and bill, you know? Right. So that was part of the plan, like I said, down the road. But then the pandemic hit and I'm home with them. So had to execute that a little bit earlier than than planned. But that's really interesting because I love this idea that like you didn't take it as sort of just, this is just how it is and how it has to be. You sort of looked at the facts, scary as they, they may have felt and said, let's initiate a plan to start sort of, you know, it's not going to be executed in, in six months, but you, you put a plan in place to sort of move you towards the vision of what you want your life to look like. Yes, exactly. And yeah. it has been a slog for sure. But <laughs> having that like that idea of what we wanted and like what our future would be like has been 
the motivation to keep us going. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, how, how has that process gone? Like, do you feel like defeated at times? Do you feel hopeful at times? Like, I just know that for so many people, the debt, particularly these huge school loans, I I can imagine with a lawyer and a doctor that like that is, that adds up, like you said, and people, I think really just, they feel so stuck by it. And how do you push through and say, it's a solvable problem? I definitely felt that stuck feeling early on. Like now, being four years into it, it feels inevitable. Like we are going to pay this off. I know that. But four years ago, it was like, oh my gosh, how are we ever going to pay this off? What have we done? Like lots of tears, won't lie. Like I was crying. Yeah. Um, But it was seeing other people and their stories and the fact that they had done it. And a lot of them were not making the same level of income that we were. Like one story in particular that was really motivating for me was a couple who paid off their house in five years. And I remembered both of them being teachers. But when I went and looked back at the story, because I talked about it recently, um, only the husband was a teacher. Um, But the wife's income was like the average salary for the U.S. or something like that. Either way, they paid their house off in five years. It was not even conceivable to me that people paid their debt off early. Like when we started seeing those stories, it was like, wait, what? And then I see people paying this, you know, what's typically a 30 year, you know, commitment in yeah. five years on an income less than what we're making. It's like, okay, we're doing something wrong here. Like what's going on? Yeah. And so that, you know, got us to putting together our own plan and really believing that it was possible for us as well. Yeah. So what are the elements of planning for something like that? So the thing that we did was looked at all of our debts and like that part was I think the the toughest part, like that was the biggest gut punch, like seeing it all yeah. laid out, right? Yeah. But we looked at all of the debts and we did what's called the debt snowball, where you look at them from smallest to largest. And we uh, started paying them off that way. So we, like our spreadsheet has all of the balances, all of the interest rates, whoever the you know loan servicer is, all of that. And we just started attacking them. And let me say, when we first started, we like had never had a budget before. We never really paid attention to our money, like in any level of detail. We had been doing the things that people tell you to do, right? So we paid all our credit cards off in full and we saved a little each month. We were maxing our retirement accounts, like all of the things that you're supposed to do. But we had no money, like we were literally broke. And so we looked at how to create a budget. We looked at how much we actually were spending in different areas, like we were going out you know, to eat every yeah. week, the hottest restaurants around town and all of that, like not the super, super fancy ones, but, you know, yeah. up there, like the upper middle class of restaurants or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like just looking at that and how much we were spending there and like creating a budget was really key for us. And then once we got there, using the extra money left over to start paying on the smallest debt and rolling it from there. Yeah. It's amazing how much impact it can have to just actually focus on it. Yeah. I think that's the big thing, right? People are just like, that's scary. (laughs) No, I think you're absolutely right. And I I think too, for us, it was like that life event of having a kid 
and mm-hmm. seeing like, oh, this debt is what's keeping us from being able to do what we want to do. And right. so that's what made us like really focus on it and start formulating a plan. Yeah, yeah. So so in the midst of this, somewhere along the line, you became a bit of an expert in this. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So back in 2018, I started a blog where I was just kind of chronicling our journey and sharing the things that I had learned. And I was doing it anonymously for a while, but I was really bad at being anonymous. Like, <laughs> like people would reach out to me and I'd be like, oh, thanks so much, bro. Like, I mean, uh, <laughs> like sign my name to stuff and yeah. all that. So I eventually put my name on it. And some of my colleagues who either followed the blog or just, you know, I chatted with at work who knew what we were doing were asking me about, you know, how we were making the progress that we were. And so I had the opportunity to coach some of them. Uh, you know, before I really knew what what coaching was about. Um, And so that was really cool to see them start getting results as well. And then when the pandemic hit, well, I won't even say when the pandemic hit, really when 2020 hit, because for me, 2020, like just hit differently than other years, because I think it was the first time that it was a new decade. And I was an adult in the previous decade like yeah and so it's like wait a minute (laughs) 10 years has passed and it does not feel like it's been 10 years and so I was talking with some of my friends at work like other people who also had you know interests outside of the law and you know we were talking about how we didn't want another 10 years to pass and you know like oh yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna help lawyers with their money or you know yeah, whatever yeah. the things were that they were doing. And so like that was like what kind of got the wheels turning like, oh, I could do this and help more people than just these people in my immediate sphere. And yeah. then, you know, Kobe Bryant and his daughter and all of those people like that yeah. was just like life is really short. And then, yeah. oh, yeah, if you were you know questioning whether time is moving quickly and life is short, we're going to throw a pandemic right. in there and let's see what yeah. happens with that. Yeah. And so that's what kind of kickstarted things like the beginning of last year and got me to where I am coaching people beyond people that I know in my immediate circle. So that's been really cool. Yeah. How is that experience? um, It's interesting because it sounds like it came just came up organically from you doing the things that you were naturally doing, but you've been able, even in this crazy world with two young ones at home and still, you know, having a job to fit this in. So like, how do you find the time like to do all of these things? Cause this is another thing I'm sure you hear from people's like, I don't, I don't have time to think about it. I certainly don't have time to like do something on the side. Yeah. I think one thing that I have learned in the last year is I don't have time often is um, our fear. You know, it's, like, oh, I don't have time for that. But really, it's like your unconscious mind trying to keep you from doing this thing. They're like, oh, no, abort. Like, she's trying yes. to change things. We don't have time, right? And risk so, ahead, risk right, ahead. Exactly. <laughs> and so the thing that has really helped with balancing all of the things is time blocking and like having the set times that I'm going to do things for work, for my business, with my family, all of that. And of course- yeah it's not rigid, right? Like, oh no, sorry, son, your time is from one to two. Like I'm not doing that. <laughs> right, right. But like just having the general idea of like, okay, in the mornings, because one thing I get up early before my husband and kids, mm-hmm. best thing ever to have that like quiet time to myself. <laughs> like, So just how early life. is early? 
about five thirty. Yeah, okay. So yeah, it's not it's not I mean, super it's early, early, but yeah, uh, yeah. I have recently moved to the West Coast, and but I still like feel like I'm kind of on East Coast hours. So now mm-hmm. I'm getting up so much earlier than I ever thought I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, and I think to having that time, like really early in the morning it makes me feel so productive for the rest of the day. Cause like I've gotten so much done before right, right. anybody else has been up. So and that's you get to prioritize what you're doing before the day really gets kind of exactly on its own schedule. And exactly. It's so like the very yeah. first thing is always my time for me. And I think yeah. that that's key. Like we can get into all of the hustle and bustle busyness of, you know, the day, whatever it yeah. is, whether you're still in the firm or, you know, the law practice or not, like there's so much to do. I think we often forget about ourselves, or at least I did. I won't. I won't no, put I that on everybody very, else. I, I feel like it's very common. Yeah, and so like that is the first thing. So like I like to read my Bible. I will pray. I'll meditate. Like all of those kinds yeah. of things, just to, like get my mind right, and yep. then get into you know if I'm working on the business that day, doing something for the business, or if I'm doing something for work, doing that work time, and then the morning, like from the time my kids get up until lunchtime, like that's my time with them. And I learned that the hard way because at first I was trying to do all the things and it was not working like the kids like, okay, well, if you just sit right there, mommy's going to be over here. And then they're coming over, like trying to bang on the computer and, you know, okay, that doesn't work. Let me not try to like mom (laughs) and work at the same time. Right. So like, that's my time with them. And then when they go down for their nap after lunch, then I will either do something for work or do something for the business. Usually it's more for work. Yeah. Um, And then once they're up, then you know, that's my time with them again. And then once yeah. they're down for bed, then I'm either doing something for yeah, usually yeah. something for the business or hanging out with my husband. So like I, I kind of break down my day in that way. And yeah. that helps me to see where I do have time, even though my brain wants to tell me I don't. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you sort of putting some structure on it to just like a little bit of alleviate having to figure it out all the time and be like, okay, I'm doing this. Cause I think people get into spinning in circles and also keeping to it. Like you could sleep in and skip that part of the morning. That's quote unquote, just for you, but you don't because you find it valuable. And it's something that you want to prioritize. I think people have to remember that, that it's like, you have to prior, you have to actually d- sort of put the boundaries around your priorities. No, I think that's absolutely right. And if you don't put those boundaries around your priorities, then you're going to find that all these other things bleed into it. Like all of these other things are going to come first because you have not set that intention. Yeah, exactly. And everybody can understand what that feels like when work just takes over or life takes over in, you know, for, you know, a lot of the listeners, it's like, it can feel like there's no space for anything, but, but the job and yeah. But that is of our own making, right? I will say like, even as a junior associate, before I even started at the firm, one of my mentors, a partner at another big firm here in Atlanta, and she told me that the biggest mistake that she would see junior associates make is they come in because we're all super eager and type A and want to do a great job. And she's like, they just come in and like burn the candle at both ends and then burn out and talk about how like everyone just worked them so hard. Right. But we have that level of autonomy where we can choose what we're doing when. Right. Like just because somebody emails you at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night doesn't mean you have to respond to it. Right. right? I mean, if it's 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 some sort of deadline or whatever. Certain firms will have, have different cultures where like, yes, you are expected to respond to that. But 
I think it's, um, I think there is a certain amount of it that's just our own kind of anxiety and type A that, that causes us to. I had that experience in the terms of like taking vacation. Mm-hmm. I took all my vacation when I was an associate, but one of my dear friends, still, still a dear friend was like, well, I just don't know how it would look. Like I can't just be taking my vacation. No one here is taking their vacation. And I was like, well, no one's going to come over and tell you to take vacation. <laughs> right. And I mean, I think even to your point about the culture of different firms and people expecting you to respond or whatever, yeah. you can expect it. I'm still not going to respond, right? Like <laughs> I can set that boundary. And of right. course, if there is some sort of deadline, there's a closing, you know, whatever, then right. you're going to be a team player and you'll do it that time. But I think that those like, I don't know, late night, early, whatever communications, I think that should be more the exception than the rule. And I yeah. think that a lot of times we put that pressure on ourselves because that is how we have been conditioned to think of the legal profession. But yeah. other people aren't necessarily expecting that from us, right? Like right. we have like your friend who's like, oh no, well, what yeah. will people think? Well, what will they think? You don't know, right? So right. you just, you do what you need to do. If it's a problem, yeah. I'm sure that someone will let you know. But no one has ever told me that what I'm doing is a problem. Yeah. And I think it's interesting sort of, look, like it's a stressful industry to be in. Some environments are more toxic than others. But I do think that there's a little bit more awareness, certainly than like when I was practicing about wellness and, um, you know, taking care of yourself as well. And what if we could each be part of the culture shift there by saying like, I value that for myself and I am going to create a boundary around that. You know, if we all do that, it shifts the culture. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, to your point that there are some environments that are toxic. So I don't mean to downplay anyone's, you know, experience, but that firm is not the only firm that you can practice law at. Right. So if you are having that kind of experience, then maybe it's time to look for another place to work somewhere that actually does value people who take their boundaries and who will honor the boundaries that people set. Yeah. And I think that's so important because you have to find the place where you can set those boundaries, either to discover that you actually really enjoy the practice of law when you get to practice it with some humanity, or it gives you the time and space to sort of devote that time to discovering what else you would want to do. Um, either way, your life will be better if <laughs> if you find a way to sort of create that for yourself. Yep, I completely agree. <laughs> so what sort of, you know, it's been such a crazy year in terms of, you know, schedule and plans and whatever, but what is your vision for sort of how practicing and this new business and being a mom all fits together kind of in the long term. Yeah. So I think as we come out of it, I see myself still being at the 50% at the firm. Like I really enjoy what I do. I enjoy the practice of law. And so I'm not ready to give that up. But at the same time, I see after having been forced to slow down in a way that I probably wouldn't have done on my own, right? I see the benefits of that. And I know that I can make a difference with my business. And so I want to continue to make the space for that and not only fit it in 
in the mornings and in the evenings, which is what I was doing, you know, even when I was blogging and that kind of thing. So that's where I see like the work piece of it going. And then on the mom side, like having more of that free time to be available and it not be like, I I felt like before it was get up and I'm getting the kids ready so that we can get to daycare and I'm dropping them off at daycare so I can go to work. And then I got a bill, 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 and then get them home and, you know, yeah. dinner time and bath time. You know, it just felt like it was always on to the yeah. next. Yeah. And in the pandemic, I've been able to slow down in, you know, this like really intentional way and spend that time with them and structure my day such that yeah. I'm giving, I think, a good amount of time to each piece of my life because all of it is important. And yeah. I think that for a lot of us, our priority, like we say that our priorities are our relationships and our families and that kind of thing. But if you look at the way that we're spending our time, the priority is pretty much work, right? Like right. it's work and then we're fitting everything else in where we can. Right. And I would love to see that shift, right? Where yeah. the priority is the, those other parts of life that are really important. And then we're we're putting in work and putting it in its place. Yeah, absolutely. Could not agree more, you know, and I think, I think there really are opportunities to design your life the way that makes sense. And I think your example is such a powerful one of how you can bring these different pieces together in a way that works for you. And maybe not every firm is going to, to be the place that allows you to do that. But just knowing that there are firms that you can work at where you get good, interesting work and you have people who are supportive while you can also build these other parts of your life. You know, I think people just stop and say, no, that's not possible. That you don't understand. Like that would never happen. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, again, that goes back to like that unconscious like mind trying to keep us safe. You know, it's like, oh, no, I can't do that as opposed to how could I do that? Like, how could this work? Because I think when we ask ourselves questions like that and like make ourselves answer, then we can come up with ways to make things work, to be more creative and fit everything in. Totally. I always tell people, look for evidence of what's possible, not just for evidence of what's not possible. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I think the default is always to look for why it's not possible. Right. Like that's right. just where we automatically go. Right. And so especially just, as lawyers, right? Like yes. we're trained to see every possible issue. So we're like, mm, all no, of the problems. No. <laughs> I think yeah. it's hard. It's hard to turn off that part of your brain that's trained to do that. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. But just looking, like you said, for the other side, because we also are trained, right, to look for both sides of an argument. But in our personal lives, we just look for why we can't do this or why this would never work or whatever. (laughs) So it's like, what's the other side of that argument? Like, what what are the the pieces that point the other way? Yeah, absolutely. So if, you know, you were and you are talking to people who feel stuck in, in their career, feeling like there isn't space to sort of create their own thing or do something that's perhaps... Um, not the standard looking process. Um, what would, particularly in light of of the finances and the work you do there, like what would your advice be to help someone sort of take that first step to feeling unstuck? Well, I think going back to what we were just talking about, the first step is how could this be possible, right? So yeah. like going back to my own example 
and thinking about wanting to create the space to be more present with my kids. It's like, okay, how could this be possible? Well, the solution that we came up with was cleaning up our finances, paying off debt so that we don't need as much coming in and we could afford to do something on a more reduced schedule. So I think that that is key. Just thinking about how this could be possible. And then as far as taking the first steps with your finances, if that is the solution for you, I would encourage you to face the numbers because you know, you don't know what you're afraid of. It's kind of like yes. if you're, you know, out in the dark and you see this, you know, scary shadow and you're like, oh gosh, I'm so afraid. Like if you shine a light on it, right? It's like, oh, it's just a little raccoon or it's just a squirrel right. or whatever. Right. And so like when you actually know what it is that you fear, then you can take steps to overcome it. And so facing the numbers, seeing exactly where you are, then you can make those those plans to turn things around. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so where do people find you? How do people work with you? Yeah. So the best place to find me is my website at rowthomas.com and row is spelled R-H-O. And that has links to my podcast, to all my social media. Full disclosure, I hang out most on Instagram. It's my favorite, but I am I on you a and few I connect others. on that. We're yeah. connected on LinkedIn. We're like, but I'll see you on Instagram. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on a few other platforms too. I might, yeah. I might show up yeah. here and there. Yeah. yeah those yeah. are the best places to find me. And tell us the name of your podcast. I forgot to ask about. Oh, yeah. My podcast is called Wealthy Esque. Nice. Nice. So you can get more tidbits of your of your wisdom over there too. Well, thank so. you. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. As as we just said, like I know that like your schedule is time blocked and, and your time is precious. So I really do appreciate your taking the time to to chat with me. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. It's been such a pleasure. I enjoy talking yeah. with you. Oh good. All right. Thanks, Ro. Take care. <laughs>